What's up everyone? My next guest has been working in the tech industry for over 20 years. She's the founder of Nedrock, which is a product management and lean training consultancy. And she's about to run a product management course through Gibbs Business School. Anu Augustine, welcome to the Mastercast. It's really good to have you with us. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks for inviting me to, to your podcast. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, yeah, so today, the whole idea to chat to you today was about um, customer, interview, customer interviews. Um, but I thought let's just dive into a bit of product management because I think there's, there's a question mark around there and I think the, the role itself is busy growing. Um, you know, uh, I'm hearing more about it. Um, so it's definitely a, a position people are opening their, their eyes to. So from your side, you've been a product manager for quite a while. How would you describe it? What is a product manager? Yeah, uh, that's always an interesting question and everyone's got different ways to answer it. But if I were to, uh, you know, put one or two lines to it, um, I, uh, I would like to say a product manager is responsible for creating a product that's valuable, usable and feasible. Uh, so valuable, valuable to the users who are using it um, and uh, it might also to the customers. So customers and users are different, right? Customers mm -hmm. are people who pay for the product and users exactly. are use the product. Uh, also valuable for the organization creating it because it needs to um, create value in terms of, okay, are we getting revenue from it? So valuable in that sense. Usable, is it, um, can the users use this? Can, does it solve their problem and does it, um, is it a solution that's usable for them? And that's mm. where the, create, the designers come and play. And uh, is it feasible? Is it from a feasible, from a technology perspective, can we um, create this product in, in a way that um, you know, creates value for the business and for customers and users? So uh, in a nutshell, that's what I would say it is. It sounds very simplistic, but you take that, uh, you take those two sentences and try and apply it within different organizations and what a product means within an organization. That's where mm. the complexity lives. And, yeah. and, and then you need to understand what's the skill set you need within that context. So, yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. So technically my my um my title currently on my contract is um says project manager on it so um how would you differentiate telling explaining to people the difference between project and product management yeah there's a huge um huge difference again when i uh, say product uh, i usually mean just say you are a technology organization and you have a product um, you have a piece of software they're selling to multiple clients. Mm. In the typical world, that's what a product means. Um, so as part of it, right, um, you have to decide what to build, mm -hmm. right? And then you need to build it. And then you need to decide, okay, when I build it, um, this is the timeline, this is um, what we're going to release. So there's a small bit of project management. Project management is more about, okay, how are we going to release it? What are the timelines? Uh, mm. What is the first release going to look like? Uh, whereas product is primarily focused on what is the right product for the users and customers? How do we mm. decide what to build? Exactly. What is the prioritization on that? Um, and how our customers and users using it? And uh, are, are, is it solving a problem for them? So huge difference. Mm. Uh, project management is about managing the planning around it, the timelines, etc. And whether product, uh, product person does a bit of project management or not, uh, depends on the frameworks that you adopt within an organization. So, mm. so typically, you know, we talk a lot about agile. I and mean, I know you've done done a lot of agile podcasts probably as well. Mm. So, in in a typical agile world, um, you don't have a project manager. Mm -hmm. uh, the role of a project manager is actually it's split between the scrum master and the product owner. In there we go. In a very in the typical scrum sense, uh, mm. you have the product owner who plans the releases decides, okay, this release, we're going to release on this date. That's a bit of project management in there. Mm. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's their primary role as a product owner to do that. Mm. Um, but if you're working with a small team, it does become part of your role. And in typical Scrum, in, in the Scrum theoretical framework, it does uh, include quite a bit of project management. But that's not your primary role. As a product owner, your primary mm. role is to build the right product for your yeah. users and customers. I think the, the big thing there is that with... Uh, with software development in general, anything is possible. So anything can be built. Um, there might be multiple uh, problems you're trying to solve with a piece of software. Um, so that's why I like how you broke it down into the high, the, the what, the how, and the why. 
Um, and I think that's why we play. So it's not just about here's a timeline, here's a fixed scope, and we need it done by this time. It's actually like going along the journey and then how, yeah. what, why, how, what, why. And it's also that build, measure, learn kind of thing that we have to yeah. constantly yeah. do. So you, you started your own company called Nedrock. Um, can you tell me just sort of how that came to fruition um, and what kind of excites you about what you're doing there? Yeah, definitely. So uh, Nedrock is four years old now. I started in 2016. And um, the reason why I started it, or I think the, the journey towards Nedrock started before that. Is I started off as a software developer and I worked primarily in um, enterprise software companies where very little emphasis on, okay, there's, uh, we create great software, but can users use it? And how are they using it? Let's mm -hmm. try and understand that. There was very little focus on it. So, so um, I transitioned into product management because I really was passionate about solving problems for customers and users. And I love technology. So it, how mm. do you use technology to solve user, you know, problems for customers and users? So I transitioned into product management and I did work for various software companies, um, very strong tech-focused companies. Mm -hmm. uh, as a product owner for 10 years. Um, and then I realized actually, you know, there's not enough focus in the product management space. Uh, we, need, uh, we need more product owners. We need uh, to teach them the right skill sets to build the right product. Mm -hmm. And I started helping people um, during the weekends, after hours, um, helping them understand their role and what they need to do. And I realized actually there is a gap in the market and there is mm. value that I can add. And that's how in 2016, I started Nedrock. And uh, it is interesting times because I think in those four years, the role of product is getting better and better understood. Mm. We're still yeah. in the early stages, I feel, if you compare it to the US and UK markets, for example. Yes. But it really started off a little bit about frustrated about, you know, if you are a technology company and you, you are creating products, you need good product owners, you need um, to mentor them, you need to coach them. Mm. And it's not just about agile. There's a lot of agile coaching and things, but mm. there's not em enough emphasis on, hey, let's give this product on the right skill set uh, you know, th that they need to build the right product. So that's how Nadrock started. No, I think it's fantastic. I, I completely agree with you. I've only been in product in, 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 in the industry for a year and a half now. And I could find, I could go learn about Scrum and agile and being a Scrum master. There's a lot of resources. There's a lot of people talking. The community is very strong but the product is just not, it's just not there. It's not as big. So very cool. I'm glad you're doing that. Um, Cause I do think that there is a shift to people understanding the importance of being a product owner or a product manager, that emphasis on the actual product, um, you know, holding that vision and, and sending it through for the clients or the customers, whatever it is. So good work. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, you're also starting a um, Gibbs business school course. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes. Yes, I'm quite excited about that. So um, I do run product management training. So, and I've run some public courses, but during, I think the last year, I'm doing a lot of in-house training and I haven't had enough time to um, do public training. So what I um, thought about is, I mean, first, first, my first thing was, okay, how do we get more people into the product space? Uh, and, um, and I don't have enough time to do marketing, et cetera. So how do we uh, get and coach and get great um, product owners out there? Uh, and so uh, Gibbs, uh, Gibbs was the, the course I'm running at Gibbs is one way to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's a two-day uh, workshop focusing on the key aspects for fundamentals of product management. So starting right from, okay, how do you create a great vision? Um, how do you um, build a strategy around that vision? And then how... Uh, product discovery, which is, um, which is very important, and then product delivery. So focusing on those key points, it's, it's a, a two-day workshop, and we're looking at running it online because, mm. because of where we are now today. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and I'm quite excited about it, and it's really a way to reach out to the bigger market and starting, mm. okay, let's get more, train up more product owners and product managers, and let's get, mm. let's get organizations to understand what is mm. this role about? Because even yeah. organization, within organizations, there's so much confusion about okay what does this person have to do and what is their primary role and what is their responsibility so yeah. i you know during the consulting i realized actually people don't understand that yeah well. it's a mind shift that they so, need to make it really is it's like a misunderstanding it, i get the feeling um yeah and how's it been going do you feel like it's uh, oh okay sorry you've got the course coming so that starts in november right yeah it's in november it's it's two days in november 
okay. so yeah, it's on their website. You can go register um, yeah. on their website for it. And yeah, it's just two days. Um, we're going to split it up uh, into multiple, although two days is 16 hours, but it will be across multiple days because, okay. because it's all online. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about it. So if you want to learn about product management, it's, it's, a, it's a good opportunity to go yeah. sign up. Nah. So like I said, we wanted to talk about customer interviews today. Um, what, are, yes. what, what are they? Let's, let's start there. What are yes. customer interviews? Let's start there. Yeah. Yeah, let's start there. So, so, um, we, so I talked about product discovery a bit. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you, uh, you know, when we talk about Agile, we talk about the product backlog, which is a list of features that the, the dev team is going to build. Mm -hmm. And um, how, did, how did those items end up in the backlog? That's the first question I usually have, start off with. Uh, how did you mm. decide as a product owner, product manager, this, this is the highest priority item mm. that the team needs to build? And, and in order to do that, you know, to come up with that list, you need to interact with your uh, users mm. and you need to understand their lives. And one mechanism of doing it is, what, is conducting customer interviews. Mm. So um, you need to go and understand, do, we call it qualitative research. Um, go and sit with your users and customers, understand their world, understand their pain points, understand where does their product fit in their lives? You know, at mm. what point do they start using your product and then what problems does it solve for them? Mm. And that's where really customer interviews come is helping you build the right product. And what I found is in my personal experience is that when, you know, when you go through agile frameworks and scrums, they talk about the backlog and we, we, are, we get obsessed with the backlog and prioritizing mm. it, but we don't talk about enough about Okay, how do we get those items the backlog and how do you ensure that that is the highest priority items? And that's where customer interviews come into play. It's, uh, it's part of the product discovery skills. There's a number of skills uh, you need to develop and one of those is interviewing your customers. Mm. And I used to think, you know, just go out there and do it. Um, and I realized actually, um, you need to actually do it in a certain way to get reliable answers. So if you are investing time doing it, let's do it the right way. Mm. And um, so if you look at UX people, they're generally looking um, at, okay, you've got a solution. Are, are the users using it the way you expected it? Um, so some of the interviews are based on that, which is this, this kind of serves a different purpose, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about it, um, they might have a prototype and they're saying, okay, let's go interview um, a user and test that prototype. Mm -hmm. So in that case, you're actually testing a solution, right? And that's a specific kind of interview. Um, but customer interviews, the ones I'm talking about specifically, is trying and understanding the world um, before you decide, okay, this is the solution for it. So, so um, I would say the UX people tend to, in, to come into play once you've got an idea of a solution and how do you test that solution. That's also a type of interview. Either way, I think the product manager and the UX person need to work collaboratively on it. Mm. Uh, I would, um, and in fact, I would say, when I work with teams, it's um, the product owner or product manager. I mean, we can talk about that if we've got time, what the difference is. Um, mm -hmm. A UX person and a lead developer. These three people need to work hand in hand, yeah. um, three of them, uh, and understand. I would encourage even the lead developer to actually sit in in these interviews if possible. Because um, if they understand the problem, they can come up with solution, better yeah. solutions. And, yeah. and that's why it's, 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 and it comes to that feasible part is mm. lead developer, developers are good at solving problems, but you, they need to understand the problem. And this yeah. is where the problem space is. And this is where customer interviews come. And, mm. Interesting concept. Um, so I completely agree with you. I've seen, I've brought it up on the podcast before. It's just watching when a dev or the lead dev and the UX or product owner or whatever sitting around a table and making uh, solutions. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, and when they sink, it's, it's unbelievable. So I completely agree. I, I passed a comment once and I probably might get flack for it or not, but I actually said that a dev could, could be seen as a designer because um, they are helping design solutions. And so I, yeah. I felt that they need to be part of that conversation from as early as possible. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, that's not just the other one reason, right? So one is um, they can come. The other reason is they can give you an idea of, okay, these are the different ways to solve it. And this is how long each one is going to take, right? And there's a cost implication in there. Uh, so this is going to take, actually, if we do it this way, it's going to take one month. If it's going to do it this way, this is the, the pros and cons, and this could take two weeks. Mm. 
and that's that's a huge difference. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's where at the yeah I see the value. Mm. And um, the other thing is what I like to do is also um, those who are not keen to come for all these sessions is that you take videos or whatever, whatever mechanism, bring it mm. back into the voting and sharing it, okay. because then they can actually see okay, I can see the value. I can mm. see why this ends, you know. So sharing a lot of the things that as a product manager you're learning outside the building, um, bring it back in and share it. Mm. Uh, it's very important. Um, mm. That's also very important. Share it with the team. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I guess it empowers yeah. them and makes them feel they're part of the team, part of the solution. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. So we're kind of yeah. touching on the process of it. Do you have like a, a high level process to, to let our listeners know? Like how would you go about setting up a customer interview? Yeah, so I can I can share. Let me um, share yeah. quickly. Um, so, so when you conduct the interviews, you need to be very purposeful and intentional about what you want to learn. Because mm -hmm. if you go out there and just say, "Okay, I want to understand the customer's world," you're going to come back with different um, answers, and you know you can't. You will struggle to um, kind of uh, get your conclusion, if I can put it that way. Um, mm -hmm. And and so you need to be very purposeful in terms of. I'm going to conduct a set of interviews and this is what I want to learn. So we um, I've split it up into research questions. Research questions is all about what do I want to learn, right? Um, so let's look, up, look at an example. Um, everybody's buying masks these days, right? Bobby, you, I'm sure you've got a mask. Yes, you of better course. Have. <laughs> <laughs> multiple. So yeah, exactly. Most of us have gone to multiple sources to get these masks yeah. uh, to try a different thing. Yeah. So if I was someone who's um, very keen to start selling masks, I'm going to actually start a company and I'm going to sell some designer masks uh, online. I'm going to sell it online. So the first thing I would do uh, is do some research around that. And the first thing I want to learn, for example, my research question is, how are people going about in deciding which mask to buy? That is your research question. Mm. Uh, so that is what I want to learn right from the interviews i'm going to speak to different um users or different people who, who are trying to buy these masks different consumers and my research question is how are they going about deciding which masks to buy because masks are quite interesting i mean i've realized actually you can't try it on and most you can't return it mm -hmm. <laughs> so people you know and <laughs> so it's like wow okay so most yeah. i mean if you buy uh from um superfluous you can return it most clothes you can return it right um so now this is interesting you've got this mask and you can't um you've got to you know people might be spending some time deciding how they're going to decide which ones to buy yeah. so my question is that is my research question um interview questions are what we've learned or what research actually shows is that you don't want to go and ask your research question directly during customer interviews. You're going to less likely to get reliable answers. So what okay. you need to do is translate your research questions into interview questions. And what are interview questions? So interview questions are the questions that we're actually going to ask to elicit stories that illustrate what we want to learn. So if we take um, the math scenario, right? Mm -hmm. What I'm going to do is, I want to actually learn how people decide, okay, which mask am I going to buy? How do they go? What does that process look like? So I'm going to actually, my interview question is going to think, I'm thinking about how do I get people to tell me a story about the past and how they went about deciding which mask to buy? So Bobby, I would, um, I would come and ask you, Bobby, how did you decide? Tell me about the last time you bought a mask. Please walk me through that uh, process. That is the question I'll ask you because it will reflect on your past behavior. Mm -hmm. It will tell me about exactly what you did, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why we do that, uh, we translate research questions into interview questions is that you are more likely to get truthful answers if you dig into past behavior, past human behavior. Okay. So, um, Another example is if you, uh, Bobby, if you ask me, I know how often do you go to gym? I'll probably say three days a week. And then if you ask me how often, tell me about your last week, how many times did you actually go to gym? Mm, mm, My answer mm. would be very different. Yeah. Be very different. And, and the reason for this, it's all psychology, um, right? It's, it's, there's two, two reasons for this. One is that um, we, our brain just tends to give answers. Um, not necessarily the right answers or truthful answers. Um, and that's just the way it is. Not as humans, we want to lie about it. Mm -hmm. um, we tend to uh, answer from the ideal me, 
the perfect, you know, the ideal me, the perfect me. This is what I would like Facebook to do. Facebook me. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is what I would like to do, but actually the actual me is very different. Yeah. And it's not, it's not um, you or me. It's, it's just human nature. Mm-hmm. And so, so that is why your interview questions should be all about trying to get stories about their past, about what they actually did in their past, because that's what they're likely to do in the future. Mm. And, you know, you, as um, product owners and managers, we invest a lot of time doing this interview. So, I mean, as part of our coaching, what we do is you need to do two or three interviews a week, right? Sure. So that's a lot of time invested. So when you do mm. these interviews, um, you're making decisions based on that. So you need to have good quality interviews. And, and, and that is why actually interviews do take a lot of time to prepare. Uh, you need to know what you want to learn, which is the research question. And you need to learn how to elicit stories to get the right, the, you know, the right answers that will lead you to make the right decision. But I think what I want to highlight here is the difference between what you want to learn and don't ask the question directly. Um, I'm not going to ask you, Bobby, um, how do you go about buying masks? Mm. Uh, tell me about it whereas i'm going to actually tell bobby tell me about the last time you bought a mask Mm. and then as you tell that story i'm going to dig in i'm going to ask about if you miss oh okay okay you went to a website all right what did you look at on the website or Mm. you went to a friend and then what did you ask your friend you know so Mm. that is really about past behavior and what how you actually behaved and you're very you're likely to get the you know what actually happened versus what you bobby really wished that he did So, so that is a real, um, the, the difference between the research questions and interview questions. And, and uh, we, we recommend that you speak to at least 10, 15 people. And you, um, once you start seeing patterns, then you can say, okay, we're seeing something of value here. Mm. Um, so and interviews are hard work. Yeah, yeah it, it does. It's a, a lot of work. So one of the things I'm like, four, what, three to four interviews a week? Um, that's a lot. Uh, how do you justify that to clients or how do you justify doing that much interviews if, uh, yeah, to people that are sort of paying the bill, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's, and that is why I think the context matters, right? Um, so if you're in a business, so, so the, you could be, uh, so you could be in a business where you're doing custom software development. Mm-hmm. So in terms of custom software development, you've got a client, um, the client and um, the client comes to you with a piece of work they want done and you're developing software for them, right? In that relationship, who decides what you want to build? The client. The client. So, so the product person's probably should be ideally sitting maybe with a client. You need, to, you need to realize in that relationship, you need to have a clear understand, understanding of who understands the customer. Mm, mm. Is that person sitting with the client or is it sitting within your organization if you're a custom software development company do you say okay we've got someone within our organization who's going to play that role but they actually need to understand your customers Mm. so it really depends on how now in a typical product technology company right and this is where so let me give you an example of um what i see as a typical um product um we're looking at like take a lot for example Mm-hmm. right you're not they're not outsourcing their software they've got e-commerce and they've got their product people sitting um on site and it's part of their team then they they need to invest time doing their customer interview so as there's a head of product person mm-hmm. they're coaching their um so as head of product you're ensuring that all your product owners actually it's part of their kpis they are actually doing it you know they they mm. if, if you understand they need to make the right decisions they need to be interviewed and it's actually are they interviewing two to three people a week it, it's so that kind of organization is very different to the custom software mm. development organization and if you are a custom software development company you need to decide um with every project who is playing that product first is it the, the mm. client or you Mm. And then you need to actually just, you need to actually explain to them, we could build the completely um, wrong piece of software and your users might not engage with it. And it's because actually you're not giving them the right solution to the problem mm. or you haven't understood your problem enough, et cetera. Mm. You know, it's, it's a I complex have, uh, question, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, um, it's interesting because I have not worked in, a, in, a, in an environment yet where um, they've valued these customer interactions. Um, at all, at all. So kind of everybody sits in their little office or their little bubble and assume 
or one person is meeting them. And I don't know, it's like you said, we spoke of the, the trial, you've got your product developer, your, your software engineer and your product and your UX all sitting in a room together. I don't see any of that happening. It's, it's never, it's, it doesn't feel like it's really understood yet. It's not really valued yet. But the more you realize, because then you'll build it and you'll release it and then you'll only start realizing what they want. I mean, now, I mean, how much time have you spent doing yeah. that before you get the yeah, real value that the users or the customers are actually wanting or needing? Yeah, and, and I think that is where the, yeah, that is where you waste a lot of money. And I've been down that line, Bobby. Like my first, my first when I was a developer, I worked two or three years on a product, and we worked on that product passionately, believing we understood what the client wanted. Mm. And we released after three years, and guess what? No one came and bought it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's where the where the frustration started for me. And I also work with uh, local accelerator programs as entrepreneurs who are really passionate about the problem that they're solving. Right? You 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 feel like. I found this real uh, problem and I know it's, it's worth solving. Then I take them on a journey in terms of interacting with people and understanding, okay, in their world, how important is this problem to solve? Mm. And most often it's actually not the most urgent problem to solve. Mm. Yeah. And, and you actually get it from the interviews. So you start to get a sense of mm. it from running these interviews. You realize yeah. actually, you know what? that didn't uh, trigger anything in that person, their body language, you know, they, they do have that problem, but they've got bigger problems, which mm, is the sign mm. they're actually not probably going to buy your product. Yeah, so, good point. <laughs> yeah. Next thing is um, what I usually, um, what I like to talk about is kind of when you conduct the interview. So, so we discussed quite a bit about how do you prepare the questions mm -hmm. for the interview and how yeah. are you getting people to tell stories about their past. The next thing is when you, when you sit in those interviews, right? as a product owner, product manager, listening, very important skill is uh, listening, mm. right? And we talk about active listening. It's, it's being there, wanting to listen. Um, mm. and, and interestingly enough, um, I've shared um, the slide on, there's a book called Active Listening. Okay. And we only remember 25 to 50% of what we hear. Okay. Mm. So, and, and therefore, what is important is when you go there and do those interviews, you, you need to, be there available um, and listening to what mm. the, 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 the users and um, possible consumers are speaking. Mm. And, and um, in this process, there's usually, there's a few things. I'm actually going to stop sharing it now so that we can, okay. yeah. And, and, and one thing, and one thing here is that, um, you know, as product owners, you're actually rushing from one meeting to, the, to the another. Yep. Uh, and is real. Meet, yeah. and you know, it's overwhelming. Maybe you've had a uh, very uh, bad feedback on the last release and you know, it's, it's just, it has taken a lot out of you. And before you head to the next, to the customer interview, you need to free your mind off that. Uh, you need to offload, relax and make sure that um, you're ready, you know, for the customer interview and you're there to listen to them. Mm. And, and once the interview starts, you can't, it's, it's best not to have any sort of bias in your head. Um, very often uh, when I conduct these interviews, I, I kind of sometimes think, okay, this is what they're going to say. And you have certain biases in your head. The idea is that um, you are, don't you clear your head of all biases and you're actually, there's um, nothing right in your head. You're there to listen to customers and their viewpoints. Uh, and you've, you've, you've got one, one of your things, two pointers about active listening is that once they've said, answered your question, you can repeat back to them in your own words, what you understood. And, mm -hmm. and that kind of uh, highlights, okay, you've actually listened to them. Mm -hmm. You know, you've given them, you've, um, you've been there to listen to them. And you've also actually, when you word it in another way, you've actually double checked that you've understood it correctly and you haven't misunderstood. Mm -hmm. uh, so, in, you know, we say always uh, parrot back what they said and, and see, confirm with them. Is that, is that what you meant? Um, very, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a good skill to have. And, um, yeah, and the other thing is that um, also uh, be very, um, when, when you listen to them, don't interrupt them. Let them, mm -hmm. let they be a flow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let them complete their sentences. Mm. In Agile, we talk about incremental and iterative development. Mm -hmm. So, so encourage the customer to think about, okay, what is, if you want this feature, what is the smallest slice of that feature you can put out there to test, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's because, because they're not allowing you to test before. 
So let's mm. build it. Okay, let's let's take them on this journey. Mm. Uh, let's build the small. Encourage them to build the smallest lives. Um, and then, okay, let's test this. Can you go and test this? Let's see if they're using it. Um, and then you can start measuring. Ideally, then obviously you need something to put this measure. You know, the product needs to be able to measure it firstly, mm -hmm. and measure whether they're using they're actually using it. Um, mm -hmm. And then you'll figure out. They figure out actually. Mm, <laughs> there's some issues here so mm -hmm. so uh, the 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 suggestion i have is build something small and mm -hmm. encourage them to actually okay are they using it the way you expected it mm. there's a saying and always you'll see, yeah. that, i always think that saying what is the next biggest thing you want to learn about your your users um so that talks that small but let's do some of it and let's learn from them next so going that up, is that sort of what you're saying? Take that, that lean approach. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Take the lean approach because, um, you know, you, you do have resistance. If you do have resistance, like you're saying, you're waiting, you know, you know and, 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 the, and it seems they're expecting you to board in the meantime, put something small out there and then, okay, are they using it or not? Um, mm. oh, then obviously they need to invest in time in understanding it they're using it or not, or you mm. can put metrics, you can put you know, analytics in the product itself. And then you've got data. Right, mm. you've got data, and you can show. You can see it's only ten percent of them that are using it, and actually they're getting lost in that process. Um, mm. They, for example, they're not finishing the sign-up process, or um, yeah, they're not navigating through that whole process. Therefore, you're losing them. So there mm. is a problem here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you want to. And the only way you is. can figure out, yeah, you need to uncover it. So the only way you can uncover it, you might find that ten percent are only using it. But the only way to uncover the reason is actually engaging with them. So the data will go. give you the, the numbers, mm. but um, yeah, and it's it's cost you X Y Z to come this far. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I think yeah, so it's 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 putting um, pu putting uh, the metrics in uh, the data in so that they understand it, and then yeah, and then um, mm. that's the best I think you can do when you are in in, in custom um, mm. you know in doing custom software. So do you then test with the same people you did the interview with, or do you give it to a new batch of people? So you can do it. Um, so it's again, you can do. So obviously, it depends on how you're releasing and things like that. So ideally, you know, you've, you've, if you've interviewed people, um, you can you know see test it with them and see how that goes, and then test it with a group of users you haven't interviewed and see see how they respond to it. Um, mm. So yeah, a mix and match will be good. But okay. obviously, with the people you've interviewed, you've got a history and you can understand. That's and what I'm wondering what, about yeah. the bias. Yeah. So it's it's the thing is. Um, Interviewing is one, um, it's one step. And then you need to test again when, you, when you've got the solution. Um, and mm. interviewing help, helps you make less mistakes, but it doesn't guarantee you're not gonna make mistakes. Yeah. You know? uh, so so the, the risks are less, but there's no guarantee. Even mm. then you need to test and see actually are they behaving as you expected and as they said they might. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, and, and again, this, like I said, there's problem interviews, the customer phone interviews, and then there's solution interviews, right? Mm -hmm. um, so every, along the way, you're including the users. So you've validated, okay, there is a problem. And then, okay, these are the solutions. And guess what? Don't, you don't have to build for that. You can prototype, right? That's what mm. the US people will help us with. We'll prototype, mm. and they'll test the prototype, right? Uh, so that's another, that's uh, usability testing right yes um, yes that's another kind of um process and then you mm. test it all right and then you tweak the prototypes based on the feedback you do one or two or three cycles around that and then you build mm. um, and then you test again uh so so the idea is that you will make less expensive mistakes mm. and it's cheaper to change a prototype versus change yeah. code i think right. that's a so, selling point right there <laughs> Yeah, it's cheaper. You can yeah. prototype. I can create it on a piece of paper, yeah. and I can change it in a few seconds. Yeah. Where, whereas software, okay, all right. There's tests. Uh, there's yeah. code that I need to change, and then there's stories cycle. I need to. You know, it's a mm. whole cycle. It's gonna. Mm. It's actually gonna wait for me for three, four weeks or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's the cost. Yeah. No, I think yeah. that's a great and way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, and and some people are resistant, but I think the cost. Um, sometimes you've got to let them take a pause and sometimes they make an expensive mistake, but I promise mm. you after make, making expensive mistakes, then yeah. it's easier. <laughs> it gets a bit easier to convince them. 
But it really does talk to, I think, again, when we talk about the South African market, the product market, like um, maturing, I think we are slowly starting to really realize the importance of being user-centric. And, and actually, you know, that's why I wanted to have this, this, this interview today was to push that agenda of need to get to know your users. I just don't think yeah. we do it enough. There's this... Um, nervousness that they're scared to do it they're not confident to go and say hey will you do it or maybe they're just not aware of it i don't know what it is but i just feel like we need to start just opening up getting our users involved as soon as possible yeah no i think bobby you're very right so i mean obviously i've been on this journey for four years and i i feel like now it's people understanding it better that you do need to understand your users and customers mm. um but it's still, sometimes it just feels, it's, it's a pain, it is a painful process. And sometimes people need to make expense. It, 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 mm. it, they have to make expensive mistakes to understand this, which is yeah. quite sad. It's like getting and, burnt and, to not do it again. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I've realized also is that um, a lot of organizations are undergoing digital transformations. And, and mm -hmm. in that process as well, they have to figure out, okay, uh, we need to transform. We have to become more digital. And then they have to look at their roles and things, and then they need to understand, okay, then the, the product role becomes a little bit more significant. They look at other um, organizations that have transformed successfully and realize actually we do, there is a product role there. And then you try and understand what does that person do? Um, mm. And then they need to understand, okay, focus on mm. the users and customers and things. But yeah. it is a journey. I'm yeah. not lying. Journey. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. The mind, I, I think that there's inroads. So, yeah. Let's keep, let's yeah. keep fighting the fight. Um, yes. So to finish, uh, you, you spoke over earlier about you wanted to touch on the difference between a product owner and a product manager. Um, so do you want to just give us a, a quick understanding of that? And then who should uh, be sitting with um, these interviews? Okay. Yeah. So, so the product owner, product manager, uh, uh, differentiation. So, mm. so the product owner role is specifically a scrum role, right? Before scrum, there wasn't product owner role. Right? Mm -hmm. Product management existed before scrum though. Okay. So the, in, 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 in scrum, the product owner role is, um, is, it's all about, okay, there's a product backlog. The product owner owns the backlog and owns the prioritization on that backlog. Mm -hmm. And it's very focused on the, the product delivery, um, aspect which is about okay there's coding there's delivery there's release cycles and then mm -hmm. um yeah and then we release to the customer so it's all about what a backlog prioritization explaining mm -hmm. that to the development team make sure they ask the questions and then they develop and then testing it with customers um when we when when we talk about a true tech company so we're talking about a company like um superbulist um uh, sweeps us. I'm thinking mm. about some local examples. Um, mm. These are true technology companies where the product doesn't exist without the tech, right? Mm. Um, in those organizations, the product needs to have a vision. It needs to be, you need to know where you're taking this in the next four or five years and what is, how does it change customers' lives? That's the mm. big vision, right? Mm. Um, it's exciting about how we're going to change this world when, when people engage with our product. Mm -hmm. And you need to have a strategy in terms of uh, what are the steps to get to that vision? What is our, uh, how are we going to get there in four or five years? When we talk about vision, we're talking about long-term. It's in the next four or five years and the why. Mm -hmm. Why are we going to make a dent in this universe? You know, it's like Steve <laughs> Jobs thing. And, and that is amazing because right. when you come up with a great vision, right? Um, people come or join your organization because they're passionate about the problem that you're solving. Yes, exactly. Right? It's a recruitment, it's a recruitment thing as well. And a true tech company will have um, a product that has a vision and you have a plan about how you're going to get to that vision. Scrum doesn't talk about that. No. Um, and that is where the product management includes the vision, the strategy, mm. and also the delivery. Right. And, and one of my, things about Scrum and Agile is it doesn't have the whole product management, all the, all the activities for product, to take mm. a successful idea to market. Yeah. And product management is the, the scope is bigger. It's all about the vision, the strategy, what is the problem that we're solving? How is our organization going to make money from this? Very important. 
Mm. What is the business model behind this product, right? Um, how is the organization going to make money and who are the different stakeholders within the organization as a product mm. person that you're going to have to interact with and get their buy-in? Mm. Everything is driven off that product um, and it's a product-led organization. Um, so, so a typical product management role is encompasses all of these things and mm. some parts of the product owner is a tactical part, which is the mm. small part of yeah. product management. Um, so it's so product management is like the entrepreneur um, that kind of looks over the business. So it sounds like it's a little bit more business orientated than just sort of delivery. If that's yes. a way to summarize it. Yeah. Yes, it, it's, it's um, business focused. You need to ensure you, uh, you know, there is value creation for the users and your organization. You need to understand the business model stakeholders within your organization, um, vision, strategy, and execution. Whereas um, product on a role is only focused on the execution side. And, and in a true tech company where you own a product, technology product, and take it into market, product management is important. It's, mm -hmm. it's, 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 you need to have the right skill set. Um, so if you have, if you're working, if you're working in a, a custom software development company that you would hope that product management, uh, if they're taking, if it is a software product that your client's taking to market, you're hoping that product management skill set lives within your client. Mm, if yeah. it isn't, it's a problem. Because <laughs> you, you know what ends up happening is you, you put, you end up building software that might not meet people's users needs. And then one year down the line, they'd be looking at you and saying, we wasted money. That's yeah. not where you want to be, right? No, <laughs> no, it's, it's, <laughs> exactly. And, and I think that's exactly why I'm doing these podcasts and I'm, I've kept it um, local based is because I want to help, you know, I think you, there you had, you had to struggle to think about local products. You were like a superbalist and sweep south. And it's like, come guys, let's make some awesome products out there. Um, and so we need to, to understand that. And so we don't go down rabbit holes and let's build some awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like I interact with different types of clients. I interact with clients who do, who build software for internal use, mm. you know, and, and then you need to think about what does product ownership mean in that kind of organization and the context. And that's why I always say that the role depends on your context. So I'm not mm. going to sell a big vision and strategy necessarily as much for an organization where you're creating internal software mm. then you know let's define that's that role difference. for you and it's part of the work yeah it's a different mm. it's part of um, then let's define that what that role is supposed to be within your organization mm. so it depends on the context um, yeah. so yeah so that is the product management the product management is huge and it's uh, it's actually if you're thinking about um, hiring a product manager you need to hire a strong product manager because they are making the decision on this is a product we want to build Mm. which is actually generating income for the company. So yeah. let's train those people. Let's mentor those people. And, and you know, Absolutely. probably the sad thing is locally, what I find is most product owners and managers um, don't have, they're not, they, their managers don't have the skill set mm. to mentor and train them because they've never done that. Mm. And that's another one of my frustration points is that the product owners and product managers locally, they often struggle to look, look up for training or coaching mentorship because mm. the people who they report to don't have that skill set mm. uh, because they never did it before. So that's, yeah, yeah it's just, I thought I'd highlight it. Yeah. No, no, but, but I know this is exactly why I'm doing this podcast is I'm trying to help people get the knowledge. This is meant to help them start understanding what it all entails because being a product manager, and there's so many different elements to it that you have to do. And in previous things, we talked about being the conductor of the symphony and, you know, you need to understand all of those elements to be a successful product manager or product owner. And I do feel that they don't understand it. Um, we've learned now everyone's going agile. Cool. There's scrum master. Oh, there's a product owner, but okay. There's scrum master, but there's a product owner. Okay, yeah. What does a product owner do? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of knowledge gaps out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I've been in a lot of scrum teams and my biggest, again, frustration has been that you know, you often work with a scrum team with at least 10 developers and one product owner and the scrum master will always spend time getting the development team's issues sorted mm. and the product owner gets neglected. You know, so there's one person there yeah. and uh, yeah. And, and the problems and the noises coming from the development team. So that's where the scrum master or the coach is focusing on. Mm. And um, again, I think there is a big thing to be said in terms of, you know, it's, it, you can coach, this is what a product owner 
it's supposed to be in a typical scrum environment, but most agile coaches don't have that experience being a product owner. Mm. Yeah. And therefore, they transferring the kind of skill set that they need from coming from agile because it's almost you can't expect them to because they know what a product owner should be doing. But how do you, for example, a trainer, pro, uh, a product owner, to make the right decisions of what needs to be in the backlog? Mm. Uh, how do you understand value? How do you generate? How yeah. do you get? And you know, and in agile coach. Uh, there's two things. One is there's so many fires happening in the development team. They're trying to coach that versus they don't have mm. time for the product owner or they don't have experience doing it. So, so that's mm. why a lot of uh, what I'm seeing more and more is in big enterprise kind of transformations, you need both an agile coach and a product coach um, working hand in hand collaboratively, um, mm. growing the, 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 the team members. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the key also is, um, getting in uh, getting experience as soon as possible now i i, I want to get yeah. people into this into the role as soon as possible so that they can start learning it's the best way um but obviously yeah so that's great so you've got the the course coming on and and, I, and i'm guessing it's going to cover this whole thing everything yeah. we've just spoken about yeah it is um again it's also it's a two-day course so we we do a lot of um you know, practicing and also a bit of theory, but again, training all two days, you can, you can get the fundamentals going and execute, you know, practicing all that within your organization, the context, and it's it, it also, you can take it uh, one step further, but it's again, you often coaching helps together with that um, mm. because within your context, like I said, every organization is different and that role mm. is different. Yeah. That's, that's, I think uh, one of the final takeaways is, is, when you get experienced, you understand those situations better. So when you do these courses, you know, it's that whole teach someone to fish because you'll get all these, all the, Oh, I, I need to use that now. Okay, cool. I'm going to go unpack that and, and I need to use it in this situation. Oh wait, here's the next thing. I'm now in this yeah. situation. Now I need to use that. Um, so yeah, very important to get that training. Um, you know. yeah. But I mean, Bobby, the thing is locally, like you said, it's like people don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so here's the thing, but I think if I, when I started four years ago, there was nothing. I mean, there was like, basically I had to do like hours of education about why this was important. And why mm. But I think we're in much better space now. If, even if you search product on jobs, there's a mm. lot more than yeah. four years ago. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just still think that people who put in those roles, they're not set up for success. Mm. You know, you just put someone in and you make a business analyst a product owner and you, you don't just become a product owner. No. How do you then train that person? You know, it's, that is where it falls mm. apart for me. And then, then it's all about, oh, Scrum is wrong or, oh, that person didn't do a job. But the question is, did you train and spend the time to mm. make your, do, does your organization understand what they need to do? Exactly. Because you know what they do? They go to a job uh, spec, copy and paste. Okay, we're going to hire that and we're going to just okay. get that, that, that job spec to kind of give us our compass. Yeah. I've yeah. literally been involved and, in that. It's, it's and yeah, so, so that's the thing I always say when I coach product owners as well, you need to make sure when you go for the interview, they understand what you need to do. If, mm. if, you, do, if you don't do that and you go into a position like that, you set up for failure. Mm. You know, don't put, set up yourself up for failure. You need to interview them and, make, mm. and see if they understand what you need to do. Otherwise, mm. they expectation, they actually, what are they expecting from you? I, Mm. And, and it, you, they can blame you for failure, which is actually mm. their failure. So don't mm. set up yourself. I mean, I've been through some difficult scenarios and that's coming from experience and things like that. Mm. So, so you've got to interview them and make sure they understand what they're talking about. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, eh? And I, I feel just even at my own company, how I'm having to, as I'm learning and figuring, I'm like teaching them as I'm going along. I'm like, hey, but this is, there's a gap here. No one's filling yeah. this gap. How can, yeah. can we work together and filling this gap? And, and it's an education thing. Um, yeah. So like letting the clients know that there's a gap and then how do yeah. we address the gap and who's the right person yeah. for the gap? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I've, um, I, so I've worked with um, some custom software development companies and usually what happens there is that, you know, the, the way I've worked with them is that a client comes to you and they've got this wonderful idea and they want development. Mm -hmm. And then um, the client, one client I've worked with, they kind of understand the product space and they will say, listen, your idea is great, but you don't know if it's going to make money. Mm -hmm. So you can actually, you can spend money on us. You can come and we'll develop it for you, but there's a good chance it will fail. Mm -hmm. 
so guess you know what um go to anu and then you'll go on a journey you'll go do some customer interview you understand your customers first go do that journey first understand exactly what your business model and what problem you're solving and then you come to us so that's the kind of bit so then i work with them and they do the customer interviews i do a workshop on customer interviews um this is how you should do it mm-hmm. and sometimes it fit in with one of those interviews um we record the interviews so that we do a debrief after that and then they go do the interviews which is fine which is great and then they bring the insights back and then we decide okay actually you know what there's nothing in here we need to actually throw this idea out yeah, <laughs> you know crazy. what i mean so it's Be- like before but that's good though then you're not spending millions of rand because exactly. developing is expensive exactly so and and then the because otherwise what happens is this this software house goes and develops it and then it's a dispute between them and the client in terms of oh you were so expensive and you mm. know you took all our money and then it's totally the road map is all wrong because look at all these things that had to change but <laughs> So yeah. so and that but then that the client they that software house understands the importance of products and that's why they do that right but the thing is like some custom software companies they make money that way and for them they don't care actually no I mean. that's why I, I didn't want to like go into that uh, yeah and they make money so they're like okay it's fine now we'll do that development and if it doesn't work it doesn't work it's, it's not our no. but we n- we need to move away from that eh we need to make sure that we're building awesome products for people yeah i know so No. So yeah, yeah but uh, there's a few of us fighting the fight. Yeah. Let's keep <laughs> let's keep going soldiering yeah. on, eh? But anyways, thank you so much. Uh, I know it's been great chatting to you. I think that um just the whole subject that we've had in total is so much to unpack. Um but thank you so much for coming in and I hope the viewers have learned something. But yeah, thank you for taking the time and sharing your insights with us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Bobby. And yeah. um yeah, I look forward to your future podcast as well. Yeah, thank you very much. Cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye.